1: to another episode of Johnson Title Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This episode's guest is Rob Fenn, photographer extraordinaire. You might have seen his Rise Against Tour book uh, of photos uh, out now. You might have seen his photography when he did his book with uh, Rob Zombie for a tour that he did with them, or even the Hailstorm one. And potentially you might have seen photos of my co-host, Daniel Terry. They're not in any books that I'm aware of, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. How are you doing?
2: Pretty good. I think some of my photos are in some high school yearbooks somewhere.
1: I guess that is a book.
2: Yeah, it counts. There's one for every year, so it's actually pretty prolific if you think about it. It's a collection of sorts. Yeah, I mean, don't think about it. (laughs) But, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Well, apparently, you know, with uh, Rob Fenn, you know, he took one picture and posted it on Facebook, and it got really popular, and nobody knew. (laughs) Or he knew. Everyone knew but him.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird how that happens uh, sometimes. Sorry, I just poured a glass of wine. Um, here's a fun thing uh, I'll segue into real fast. Um, Dan and I are fans of drinking. Uh, sometimes you probably will notice that if you listen to us, or if you've ever listened <laughs> to the Mammoth episode that is our Ezley Dying discography discussion where I was a co-host. But uh, a lot of times... Um, we have beer, we have wine, we have liquors, cocktails. uh, if you remember the bjorn episode I did um started off basically with cocktail talk, and Dan and I have been talking recently, and I've decided to actually keep the the little bits in of of where we're talking about what we're drinking in because uh you know what i I think in in light of uh some of these recent episodes where some of that discussion has happened i I think it's uh I think it's fitting, um, it, it, and I think it gives a little bit more about who we are as the, the hosts. Uh, you get a little more into what we like, and maybe we can turn you on to not only some interesting artists uh, through these conversations that we have with various people, um, but maybe we can turn you on to a good, uh, a good beer, a good cocktail, a good liquor, a good wine. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I mean, I'm always open to suggestions uh, when it comes to the adult beverage variety.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely enjoy uh, partaking in it, and uh, (laughs) no, I think that's a cool idea, but yeah, in reference to that Azalea Dying episode, if you listen to that while you're driving, you might get pulled over, you know, it's that, it it, it reeks that much of it, so, but uh, That
1: BAC, the brutally awesome content that was created?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, it, brutally,
2: is that that brew with like B-R-E-W? Okay
1: sure why not I mean,
2: Yeah, mean yeah, okay fits. but uh, okay we'll have to do something with that sometime
1: yeah for sure um maybe a side podcast maybe but uh there you go i figured tonight uh in light of uh i'll definitely say i put a, a decent drinking uh binge on last night and uh a lot of beers i had a i even mixed two beers that I, i've never mixed uh, but it sounded really good i thought it would be a good fall fall uh combination but uh Ended up having Grant Armoury's uh, Nuttier Business, which is a nice peanut butter. Uh, I think it's a porter or a stout. I think it's a porter, uh, but it's a peanut butter base, super good. Um, and then there is the Jaw Jacker, I think from Arcadia Ales. It's a pumpkin beer, pumpkin ale. So I had the Nuttier Business first, and then I was like, hmm, I wonder how the Jaw Jacker and the Nuttier Business would be. It's like basically a, a peanut butter pumpkin pie.
2: Oh wow, it's
1: pretty fucking good.
2: That does sound really good. Um. um is that like is that bitter at all, or is it just uh like no, literally it's like drinking peanut butter pumpkin pie.
1: Yeah, no, I mean like the front flavor on it when I did it, it's you get more of the peanut butter and then you kind of get like a pumpkin pumpkiny kind of crust kind of flavor uh, on the back end to me. Okay, because that's Jack- cool. I think Jaw Jacker to me is kind of a more subdued kind of flavor. Uh, yeah, kind of a beer with that kind of stuff. I mean, if you're looking for a really pronounced uh pumpkin pie type flavor, hands down, uh this season this season of beers like that, my go to is always uh warlock. Um I forget who makes it. It's the same people who make the Pump King. Um I think it's Imperial. No, that's the it's the Imperial Pump King I'm thinking of. Southern Tier. That's who makes it.
2: Yeah. It's
1: super delicious. And if you can get it on tap, whoo, so good. But uh more to who our guest is tonight, uh we're not always gonna kind of have drinks based or catered around the person we're talking about or having talked to, but tonight I wanted to go, uh, light. Like I said, of uh, drinking liquor and, and a lot of beer last night. Uh, I, I decided to go with a wine that I had gotten uh, when my parents had gifted my wife and I a huge gift card to a winery up in Traverse City. Uh, the point was that it was supposed to be, allow us to go to the the B&B part of it and stay overnight and then do, like, the wine tastings and and all that fun stuff. But unfortunately, you can't... Their dates were always blacked out and all this kind of other shit. So we just decided to take the, uh... Like, the couple hundred dollars worth a gift card and just buy wine. And we bought a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) So I, uh... Something about me, uh, and it's kind of funny, and watching a lot of the Frasier that I've been watching lately, uh, I feel like this is definitely on brand with watching Frasier. Uh, I have a nice uh, dessert wine currently. It's from Chateau Chantel, which is uh, definitely a little bit bougie sounding, but uh, they make really <laughs> good wines. Uh, it's called uh, Entice. Um, they had a lot of good port and dessert wines uh, from this this winery specifically, and the nice thing about Traverse City, too, with it being here in Michigan... Uh, they do some frosted grape stuff cuz of the the frost that we'll get from the the snow and all that kind of stuff and they'll even play off of that with some of the the wines that they they have um but yeah i figure you know rob uh, is a, a very renaissance man between you know having a, a brick and mortar record store barber shop mechanics garage like there's just so much stuff that he has in this one this one building and i think you know the bands that he's worked with between rob zombie and hail storm and, and uh Rise Against, you know, those are three different kind of bands that don't necessarily play in the same world, but all are all under the rock umbrella. And, uh, you know, I feel photography is one of those things where it's it's a long process and and it takes a while to, you know, develop everything, even, you know, with digital cameras and so forth. So I thought a a nice uh, dessert wine would be a nice uh, complimentary drink for the evening.
2: Wow. Yeah, I did not put that much thought into it.
0: Uh. (laughs) I overthink Uh. things.
2: Yeah, at all. I just drank my last can of uh Not by uh Logboat Brewing, uh which is a company that's more local here to St. Louis, but uh it was a seasonal it was an autumn autumn lager and uh it was so good. It was uh like a Marzen style lager. Okay. And um not super bitter. It was actually smooth. Um my my other podcast Jeff said that it actually tasted like candy. Oh. And um yeah, it was it was definitely hard to stop drinking um whenever we <laughs> we, we we had uh, a lot of it during our Cannibal Corpse episode and uh and you can a- you can actually hear that uh on the episode. Yeah. Um, a little bit. But yeah, I I only had one can left and I uh started cleaning my basement a little bit before you called me and uh <laughs> now I'm uh now I'm beerless. I'm I'm water only for the rest of the evening.
1: Hey, I'll say this. Uh, I think the Black Friday shopping uh, and the pre Black Friday or the pre Thanksgiving Day drinking and and after Thanksgiving Day drinking (laughs) and all that that I've done, uh, I definitely have a water here with me. But like I said, when you have good company over and you want to have good conversations and so forth, and uh, I think that's as good of a segue as any, really, to uh, get into my conversation with Rob Fenn, and we will talk to you afterwards. So I have the pleasure this early evening of talking to Mr. Robert Fenn. Rob Fenn, as some of you probably know, uh, he is a photographer, a filmmaker, uh, a record store owner, a barbershop owner. Uh, I believe they would call that a renaissance man at this point. Uh, But we are here to talk about his newest uh, photography book called Whereabouts Unknown, where basically Rob got to follow Rise Against for a tour. And it's basically the visual snapshot i guess for lack of no pun intended uh of that tour rob how are you doing this evening
3: i'm doing
4: good i appreciate the time
1: yeah so i'm going to ask you a pretty cliche question um what got you into <laughs> photography you a
4: cliche answer what's that
1: what got you into photography in the first place
4: um avenge sevenfold actually really Did how it? so uh <laughs> well i used to be in uh radio and I got out of radio and I owned a couple nightclubs. If you ever want to lose money, do that. <laughs> and I wanted to get back into radio, but I didn't want, you know, where radio was going at the time. This was back in 2009. Okay. Um, I was just kind of fed up with everything. And so I wanted to start an online magazine that actually had a radio station built in, but not just like a blog or something. I really wanted DJs and like make this thing huge. And I needed about 75 grand to do it, and I didn't have 75 grand laying around, so I had to get some investors. And to do so, I had to build the website and get everything that. And so I hit up a buddy of mine at Warner Brothers Records and asked if I could get a photo pass. And he got me a photo pass for Disturbed and then Event Sevenfold a week later. So I borrowed a camera from a friend um, at the Tribune, and I had no idea how to use the damn thing. And I got to the disturbed show and I got in that photo pit and I was sitting there making moves like I was a photographer. I mean, I looked great. But the worst picture you've ever seen someone take at a concert with an iPhone was better than the shit I done. (laughs) And so I'm looking at these pictures going, Christ, I just got to, I got to just buy them from somebody and stuff. But I was a fan of Avenged Sevenfold, still am. And I'm like, it was cool to be that close to the band in the pit and stuff. So I'm like, I'll just go to the next one and shoot the show so I can check it out. And then uh, I'll figure out something with the pictures. So I got there. Um, I went into the pit and I couldn't just stand there and watch it. Slow, so I put the camera up to my face and just kind of watched it through the lens. And every once in a while, I'll just click the button and act like I was doing something um, when I saw something cool. And about a week later, I actually looked at the photos I took that day, and I took this one of Sinister Gates Brian that was just, I was like, holy shit, I did that? I'm like, <laughs> i like, I want to do this for a living. And so, I, there, there was like five people in the photo pit, too, you know, there, there was a lot of people doing this, and I'm like, God, this is like the coolest job on the planet. Everyone I talked to, though, wasn't making any money, and it was like their hobby or their second job. I'm like, well, I want to do this full time. And sure. So I got a business plan together, and I kind of marketed myself as a band instead of a photographer and got a game plan and stuck to it and done it. And two years after I shot that show, I was on tour with Avenged Sevenfold, ironically enough. And I was sitting in Pittsburgh out on the Lodi dock with their tour manager, uh, Dan, telling this same long, drawn-out story I just made you people sit through. <laughs> and I showed him the picture. And he's like, oh, I've seen that. And I'm like, fuck off. You haven't seen this. I put it on Facebook once, you know. It, no one's seen this thing. He's like, no, we've seen it. We got a friend in Texas that's a tattoo artist. This girl wanted a picture of Sinister to get tattooed. Asked us for one. Brian Googled himself. Seen that picture, picked that one. And ironically enough, that first picture I ever took is running around from Google down wow. in Texas. And it was just such a small world. I was just so blown away by that whole thing, and um, yeah, that's how I got into it. And I just absolutely love it. Like I wish I would have got into it a long time ago.
1: You know, it's it's kind of funny because I had a whole laundry list of like figuring. You know, a, a friend of mine. We kind of work in tandem. Um, he does concert photography, and usually I'll do the write ups for the shows. And so I've always had a keen eye for for just watching things and especially once I knew I was working with somebody because to me if I know that like okay something and for those of you who may not know concert photography is very tricky because sometimes you only get the first 45 seconds to shoot whatever the fuck you can get and the fact (laughs) that anyone can even get anything is mind-boggling. Uh, some of the 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 things that they put in front of concert photographers, as far as like, okay, you're shooting from the soundboard. Hope you brought a lens, like a lo- a zoom lens, yeah. uh, or you know, no flash, no this, and it's all in darkness. And I mean, just some of the the pitfalls that concert photography photographers have to go through is kind of astounding. Um, that anything good ever gets shot in the first place. But it was one of those things where I, I knew immediately the strength of my writing was going to revolve around. Talking about things that my friend was shooting as well, because if I talk about something and there's a visual accompaniment to it, it really solidifies the the visual picture I'm trying to paint with my words. And in that regard, I don't really feel like a lot of concert photographers or I mean concert reviewers really take that into consideration how much they should really lean on the concert photographer. And, you know, I thought, you know, like with my friend and a lot of other people I've come to learn, you know, they're always at shows, they were always bringing, you know, their their cameras to shows and just shooting and eventually work their way up where it definitely doesn't seem like that's how you got into the into the thing. But something I will, and I'll kind of share a story with you too, just to kind of maybe see if it leads you into another story like this. You know, I had the unique opportunity to shoot uh Underworth on that uh reunion tour. And when I say shoot, I mean oh, I had hello. I had my iPhone because I was going to cover the show as again to review the show. Uh we didn't have a photographer and so I got one of those meet uh, the photography passes. And I felt very trepidatious about going down there with my phone because that's hacky, like just super hacky. Um, I will say, much to the chagrin of my photography friend, he always bitches that I have a really good eye for photography and should invest a fuckload of money in gear and all that kind of stuff because <laughs> I can get really good shots with my phone. But I remember going and and I'm sure you can speak to this from going to a lot of like, you know, a big arena tour, like an event some Folder Disturbed but I was just so enamored by being able to turn around, you know, the bands, you know, were able to be there in the first three songs, and just seeing the energy that the band's giving, and you're literally in the middle of this volley that's happening between crowd and performers, and it created such a unique perspective that I, I, I if I close my eyes, I can just put myself right back in that photo pit. And it's just so crazy, because it's like, I I can understand why the thrill of being in there, because like I said, it's such a unique perspective to be in, where you're right there in front of the band, and you're seeing a show that seemingly feels like it's just for you, but then you turn around, and you can see what the band's getting, and you're feeding off of this energy that, like I said, is being volleyed between artist and fan, and I think what's interesting, and and I think you've been able to capture it, especially in in the few uh, photos I've seen from the Rise Against book, you know of being in that that epicenter basically of the exchange of energy and i kind of wanted to know are there any other you know maybe not from the rise against or the rob zombie or hailstorm books that we'll talk about but have you been to any of the other shows shooting shooting stuff and kind of just had that moment where you were able to capture something so special because you were just literally in the middle of
4: of this this thing i i think that's with all, all the shows and, and like you said you get three songs there's bands come out and they're right from the get-go a a good band is on you know on 11 and when the band's like that then the crowd is that way as well and to be in that energy like you're talking about to be in the pit it's something unique like it's uh I've seen so many different crowds. I've been lucky enough. I like to tell people I've shit in 33 countries (laughs) and shot people all over the world and seen all different fans. But the one thing that they have in common is when it's a good band, that crowd is losing their fucking minds. And it's in a good way. Like it's The first time I ever shot Slayer was in Tokyo. Oh, wow. And the thing with Tokyo and that I love about Japan is And no offense to everybody and stuff, but the iPhone just ruins the fucking show. I don't get how you can, you know, clap with one hand. Um, So over in Tokyo, they don't have them. They don't pull them out and they're taking a million pictures. They're like in the show. And that energy's got lost in the past 10 years because of social media and iPhones and all that. That's a whole nother interview. You want me to bitch about that? You better need like three hours. (laughs) But, um my favorite part of it is seeing when the band and the fans connect and I've been lucky enough, the people I work with, I don't know if you've seen a live Rob Zombie show, but I did actually I got to
1: cover, I got to eat, cover of that show recently.
4: Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about? It's beyond a show. Like it's, and he does that same show, whether we're playing the 9:30 club in DC. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, Google that shit, it holds like 500 people. Mm-hmm. Or if he's playing Hellfest, it's I don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people. You get the same show. And that's one of my favorite things about RZ is that he goes out and he, like, he'll jump in the crowd. He's part of it. It's a show. And the same with Hellstorm. The first time I toured with those guys, I watched Lizzie jump off the amp in high hills and land and keep going. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, they're just... <laughs> And RJ behind the kit, like all four of those guys, that shows something special to see. And then I've just been chasing Rise against for four years. It wasn't just one tour; it was four years of all over the world. They've got a connection with their fans that's just—it's great to see. And that's my favorite thing about music is—is is that, and to be able to capture it is unbelievable. I—I I, I mean, for. Concert photography, like you were saying, does have pitfalls and there's rules and stuff, but that's part of life. And and people always ask me why I got to be where I'm at in the concert photography. And I truly believe it's because I followed the rules and built the relationships. Right. Um, Sometimes you don't get approval for a pass and you just don't do it. It, it, It's one of those, I really think I've got to do what I do because of that. And I built the relationships because like everyone told me that Rob Zombie would never do the book and he doesn't have a photographer and stuff like that. And it's like, well, somebody should be capturing this shit. Totally. And it, it wasn't Rob saying no, it was just people not thinking that he would do something like that. And we've done it. And I'm so proud of that fucking book. Um, it, it turned out exactly like we both wanted. I wouldn't have cared if it only sold one copy. Thank God it sold more. Than one. But <laughs> it, it was just that end result. That was just like, we did this and, I I can't, you know, we, we have it on sale today and this ain't a plug for the business. Um, but we're selling it this month. I I wanted to give something back for Halloween and just kind of make something cool. So I'm actually selling that book for $13. This is a $50 photo book.
1: I was going to say, when I saw that on the website, I was like, wow, that's, that's really
4: affordable. (laughs) Well, yeah, I done that and I probably should have have done it because all we've been doing is shipping books for a month. (laughs) (laughs) It, but it's great to see everybody getting one. But the nice thing is, is just to being able to revisit that book and look through it. And it's it's such an iconic, timeless thing, and it's so cool to see all of that stuff captured. And the Hellstorm book, I mean, I don't know if anyone's familiar with it, but there's the time we were in Chicago when it rained and the promoter was nowhere around so he can cancel the show. They played for 50 minutes in a downpour. And it was just amazing and, and rise against the same way. I've got shows that just, you know, you look back through it and it's like, holy shit, I remember this. I remember that. And I get tons of fan mail from people that like see themselves in the books and we're like, I remember that show. This is so great. That's, you know, music connects all of us. And that's what the great thing is. Just seeing all that, and, and, and I'm really, I feel very grateful to be a small part of that.
1: You know, working with some of the bands that you have, you know, I'm not going to say Rob is <sighs> anti social. I'll say he's very guarded with the, it, so, so it seems from what I've gathered listening to him in, in interviews and the few podcasts and so forth he's been on that it seems like if you're not really in his immediate social circle, he's kind of guarded. And I would assume, you know, being in the industry as long as he has, in multiple industries as long as he has been, that's probably what just do. But something I kind of would assume, what, you know, as you're on tour with these people, and, you know, again, for people who may not know, and I'm not sitting here saying, like, you know, oh, man, I put in some time on the road or anything like that, but, like, having friends who do... You know, I've I kind of understand more. You know, like the strain it puts on relationships and so forth, and the you know the van's breaking down or you know things of that nature, just being on the road. But something that I feel like happens is everybody road crew, everybody who's involved with putting on the show becomes basically one. They become a family, and so I kind of wanted to have you discuss a little bit about what that bond means with what you're allowed or not allowed, what you're able to capture because of that sense of familiarity and that, that bond that you and these artists have with one another and even the crew, I would say, cause I'm sure you're able to capture moments with them too, that kind of showcase some of these, you know, the life on the road with some of these people. But you know, what, what does that bond with all these people that you're, are your road family? What does that, how does that affect your work?
4: It's, it's, affects it completely it's one of those like i said you have to have the relationships and my favorite thing like the rz camp and i've worked with multiple people but the rob zombie camp and what i mean by the rob zombie camp is the band and the crew and everyone involved in it is a very special unique group of people that are just amazing humans and we're all family uh, we call ourselves the creeps, which is kind of funny. When <laughs> fun names, that name. But they're good people. And what people got to realize on the show, and that's not going to take away from any of the other camps I work with. The Rise Against camp is amazing. The Hellstorm camp is family. I mean, the band and all of their crew are, are family. Like, And that, it, it does become a family. And this industry, as big as it is, it's very small yes. Um, work-wise. Yes. And so, if you don't do your shit, you're not going to stay
0: in it very long.
4: And I've been really lucky with the cancer that I have been involved with that everyone are good people and do the job. Because you got to think about it. They roll into this place at eight in the morning, they set up a show, they sound check, they get it all ready, they do the show, they tear it down, and then they go to the next city the next day. Now, imagine that job. It's organized chaos. And for organized chaos to work, everybody has to get along and respect each other. Now, that doesn't mean that all camps do that. I've just been lucky enough, the ones that I work with do. And I think because they do is the level of success they have, because it does take a whole, you know, it can't be just one person. And so, like, if you look at the books, you'll see all the crew members. In the books. It's not just the band and stuff that I do. Uh, it's, you'll see all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, one of my favorite pictures in any of the books is Detroit from Hellstorm on the toilet in Albany. It, it was the funniest goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. She actually was just doing paperwork, and she was trying to get away to get some peace and quiet from all the chaos, mm-hmm. and that's when I snapped that picture. <laughs> and um, it, it's, you become this you know, this family. I have a 20-year-old daughter that um, Lizzie has been nothing but, in uh, all of them, but Lizzie especially always reaches out and makes sure she's doing well and stuff like that. They uh, We went and seen them when uh, I'm here in Utah, based in Utah, and they were playing Salt Lake City. And my daughter's a drummer. And RJ's like, well, why don't you come up and play the tambourine for Here's to Us? And she was okay. Well, what he done is he took her and threw her in the drum seat. You got to play a sold out <laughs> show with a Grammy Award-winning band. Like, you want to talk about a proud moment for Dad? Right. Uh, I might have cried a little bit in the photo pit. It's the first show I ever shot that I was nervous I wasn't going to take a good picture too. That was funnier
0: now because <laughs> I,
4: I didn't know it was going to happen. You know. Um, but that's the kind of people they are, and I've been very fortunate to work. Like, I just got to work with Billy Idol. Oh wow! which the greatest thing I ever heard over the radio was like, if you see the homeless guy running around on stage, you're supposed to be there. (laughs) (laughs) uh, um, It's, you know, it's a great community. It's a great time. And it is, you know, the road is a very stressful and crazy place. It's a gypsy life. Um, It does take a certain individual to live out there. And it's like any industry, you know, you get that core group of people that do it well and it's one of the greatest things ever.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like that. And I know, like I said, when, uh, typically it seems, you know, I'm a big fan of like band documentaries and, and so forth. And, you know, well, I, the, the handful of people that I really admired, you know, you look at someone like a Tobin bell who used to do like the chimera DVDs, or you'd look at, uh, uh, Doug Spangenberg who used to shoot like the health, the old Hellfest, like the ones that were in New York, uh, Festivals, he did a lot of stuff with. Every time I die, Lamb of God, so forth. He becomes basically that extra member of the band, that that other person. That it's almost like they're so comfortable with that person that they forget that they're being filmed and or even being photographed. I guess in the same sense with you. Yeah. And to me, I've always felt like that's that's the thing that makes you know being a fan of music and 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 wanting to go beyond just you know. I have the CD and I like the songs. I want to know more about these people. I want to know more about this experience, this life that they live that, you know, so many of us, I think, actually want, but don't necessarily want to put in the hard work to achieve these goals and dreams. And so, you know, I always commend the people who are able to give us that access because it allows a lot of us, I think, to live out these fantasies that we want without having to leave the comfort of our, you know, our houses and our own beds and so forth. You know, so first of all, I'll say, you know, thank you for, for doing a lot of the legwork for a lot of us so we can see and travel to all these places and see what it's like, you know, to tour arenas and so forth and see, you know, that it's not all glamorous at times. And the sacrifices, I guess, even you make, you know, with probably not being home and being around your own family. but um, <laughs> my, my
4: mom always told my kid, most parents send their, daughter, their kids to summer camp, your dad goes to summer camp. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how that worked out um it's rough and and i really appreciate the kind words my big thing is like for me and and i might be one of the weird ones but i I really enjoy being on the road um it it fits And, and don't get me wrong like i got a fiance and a daughter and i have a business and stuff and it's hard to go away from that but i also love that part of my life as well and you know and the nice thing about modern technology i was in moscow and I was FaceTiming my kid doing her homework uh, back in 2012, which blew my mind. I was like, holy shit, you know. But it, it's it, it's one of those that, like, I've always just loved music. And to be able to do this, like, it, it's, I, I still, I'll be honest, I still can't believe I get to do this. Like, I, I just, I'm waiting for one day I get that email saying, hey, by the way, you're done. <laughs> because I, I just can't believe anyone um gets to you know i've always been that way since i was a kid you know i'm a musician and i started out that way and i've been in radio and i've been fortunate enough to chase after my dreams and and grab them and stuff but this one it's just to see all the, the fans are my biggest like i just love seeing how passionate true fans are you know you assholes with your cell phones in the back <laughs> texting and saying, look how cool I am here. So be it, you know. But, like, the real fans that are just the pocket Jesus is what I call the iPhone. Just put in your pocket, and you're just enjoying the show and seeing it and, and just that connection. It, it's uh, There's nothing more special, you know. I just, and, and I'm, I'm 45 years old, and i just seen Ozzy and Salt Lake. I didn't go shoot the show. I wasn't there to work. And and lucky enough, um, I had a few friends that got us some passes, and me and the fiancé got to be on the rail of Ozzy. Oh, wow. And I am literally dancing, screaming, and singing every song, and she's looking at me like, I haven't seen this side of you, because usually I'm working at a show. And I had the time of my life, so I was in high school again. And and that's the coolest thing about going to a show is just – I I know all of us have problems, but when you go to a concert and you get to let loose and scream and sing along with your favorite band, for at least two hours, there's no more problems. And that's the beauty of it.
1: You know, in this day and age of technology being what it is, you know, I'm reminded of uh, the friend of mine that I was talking about earlier, the photography friend. Sometimes we'll go out around town and go shoot just random stuff. Um He'll kind of ex- try to explain camera stuff, and I'm like, "Man, that seems too hard. Let me just pull out my iPhone and just, you know, take this." <laughs> uh, <laughs> and sometimes his photo looks way better than mine for obvious reasons. But sometimes I'm able to capture something that he's not able to because he can't set it up fast enough. All that being Bro. said, you know, it kind of gets me thinking: what's what's a story you have from a moment of being on the road that you weren't able to capture with your phone, or or even with a camera, I should say, but that has stuck with you forever
4: oh there's so many they're, they're so like <laughs> oh christ like i don't even know where to begin on that i'll enjoy the moment and get all excited I'm like oh fuck i should have taken a picture of that
0: <laughs> <And stuff. laughs>
4: um here's something that will upset a few photographers and stuff i don't know how to work a camera i, I, I literally don't i started in 2009 i haven't been doing this for too long um, I don't understand the F stops and all of that shit. I, I just, whatever I'm doing's working. So I haven't tried to learn it. Right. Um, like I had one camera company that wanted to sponsor me and I, I was all for it. Cause that shit ain't cheap.
0: Nope. <laughs> and
4: I couldn't use their camera. Like I, it was all backwards for mine. Um, I just got into the Leica cameras now and it took me forever just to figure that shit out. Um, so I I just think, you know, there's, there's so many, I I just do mine by feeling and what I see. And I don't know how it happens, but it happens. But there's been so many of those moments like you asked, like, did I wish I had it? Oh God. Yeah.
0: But usually (laughs) it's
4: when I'm enjoying hanging out with everyone and I'm not thinking about it. Um, you know, I, I do always pretty much have a camera with me, but, I've always respected everyone's privacy and shit like that, too. Like, when we're hanging out, we're hanging out. Um, And that's helped out a lot. Like, I just got... One of my favorite bands is Alice in Chains, and I got to shoot their whole show a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. And they're so fucking good live.
0: Yeah.
4: And I had the permission to shoot the whole thing, and honestly, I probably watched three-fourths of it and shot a fourth (laughs) of it. Um, And so, you know, there's certain things that... Like, as a photographer, I need to get better at, but I still want to be a fan. I've always told people I'm just an uber fan with an all-access pass, Right. and I'm going to enjoy it as long as I fucking can.
1: What's one band or artist that you would love to shoot or work with in general in that capacity that you haven't yet?
4: I want to do a pink book. Oh, okay. Yeah, y'all heard me say it. I want to do a pink book. That woman puts on the coolest fucking show I've ever Her
1: band seen. is so great.
4: Oh, the band's great. She's great. I just so want to, like, you know, I might just start showing up to her shows and just do a book anyway, because it's that fucking cool. Um, <laughs> she's one. I am a huge fan of uh, Sturgill Simpson. I, I would fucking murder people to fucking do a book for that so anyone can hook that up let me know um (laughs) god who else there's a ton I, i mean there's uh there's so many cool things like dorothy's one right now that i just got to shoot her show a little while ago and her voice is mesmerizing like it just that's a show i don't know if you've seen her lately or not but i have not what a great band um her, her band's amazing. They're very talented. Her voice, like, it's the whole package. So that would be a cool one to do. Um, I don't know. There's a million of them. You, you know what I mean? There's, there's so many that um, I really dig and would love to do, but uh, I got a ton of projects going on right now, so we'll, we'll see.
1: <laughs> when working on these books, you know, obviously the seemingly the easy part would be just, you know, taking a lot of photos but how do you know, because, I mean, even though they are photos and, you know, there's a story, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, they say. How do you know when it's kind of taking shape, when it's kind of telling a story, you know, do you put things in chronological order? Do you just kind of feel it out? Like when you're like, okay, these these photos in this order make sense. There's the book i am done. Like, how do you know when you're done?
4: Uh, You don't. Um, When you're done, you're done. It is kind of the concept on it, i found. Like the zombie book, I locked myself into a friend's house in Brooklyn and just went through thousands of photos. And then me and Rob just... The zombie book was the most unique one that got put together because we we didn't want anything digital. We didn't want anyone on the Internet stealing anything. We didn't want any chance of anything going out. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I printed all these photos on, like, 8x11 paper, uh, or photo paper, and I made a huge fucking scrapbook. I still have the damn thing, which is amazing. And so you could interchange them. And so we made this scrapbook like a couple old ladies, and we would FedEx it back and forth to each other in a pampered chef box. Um, Like, no one knew knew what the fuck this thing was. And so I would put it in the order I wanted and then I'd put extra photos in there and I would send it to him and he'd flip it around and put, you know, until we got it to where we, it was perfect. And that's how that one came about. So you just kind of know like the rise against one. I had an idea of like, I wanted so many candid shots and I wanted these big live I love the double pictures in the rise against book, like the two page spread of the crowds and stuff. Um, I knew I wanted that type of thing in there. So that one was kind of planned out. Um, the Hellstorm one. Jesus, I had so much, I could do six books with those guys. That one was hard. Cause it was <laughs> trying to narrow down what to put in it. If that makes any sense. Um, Cause I've been with them so long. I've been shooting them since, 2012, I went around the world with them a couple times, and so many shows, and they tour so much, so there was a ton of content, and they gave me full access. Like I said, we're just family. So, and the thing about it is, these bands know that you know I'm not going to put something out that makes them look bad. It, just if any photographers are listening, to the one big piece of advice I can give you is, whoever you're shooting or whatever you're shooting. Just make it look cooler than it is, and if it don't, then don't fucking let people see it and shit. That like one picture of Beyonce where she's looking all funny and they put that out, (laughs) it just ruins it for fucking everybody, you know. And and that's why I hear people complain about the photo
0: releases and the
4: only this many songs. The reason is is because they got to protect themselves too, you know. It it works both ways. These bands, just because you're a photographer, doesn't mean you get to shoot them. Um, and it's one of those that, but we both sides need it. The bands need the photographers out there so they can capture this stuff and see it. So the fans can live through it. But we also can't go out there and put out this bullshit just so we can get so many more likes because other people don't like a fucking band and all you motherfuckers that take the time to go tell a band you hate them. You're wasting your time. (laughs) I've never understood that shit. Yeah, there's so either. many bands I don't like. I'm not going to their fucking Facebook page and bitching about it. That's just horseshit. Um, so, like, that's, uh, you know, that, that's the bad side of the music part of it and shit. i never understood. And I'm glad I don't understand it because uh, there's so much great music out there and great people and stuff, so. But I don't know. I, I kind of got a tangent
1: there. I don't we went with this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's funny, as you were saying that, I was like, you know, it's, it's funny in doing this now for about a year and a half now and getting to talk to a lot of different people. You know, I kind of was latching on to your, your no phone thing. Um, I, You know, I used to be that person that would, you know, take photos and stuff like that. But, like, I don't know. Sometimes I still want to take – like, it's still something I, w- I wish I would probably pursue. But it's like between doing this podcast, collecting vinyl you know doing a bunch of other stuff it's like i just don't have the time to try to go shoot shows and do all that kind of stuff too and i think the interviewing side of things is a lot more fun because it's less well, stressful uh, <laughs> but it's
0: it's been kind of funny I, yeah the iphone oh
1: go ahead sorry. i was just gonna say it, it was funny because uh my wife was actually at one of the shows She was like oh you're you're not taking any photos of this this was cool and i was like i was like you know like I just got to interview someone in this band like I just spent like an hour with this person you know backstage and I was like I can't buy that like I mean I guess maybe in no. theory you could but it's one of those things where I was like I have like a really interesting hobby like you said like you know people are like well does it pay and it's like no but I get to talk to people that I admire typically or have people tell me interesting stories and I get to go to Whoa. shows for free and that's saving me money that I would probably be paying to go to these shows. <laughs> and at the end of the day, it's like, I'm getting an experience that, you know, I've kind of always, you know, like I said, with the people who do, you know, concert photography or even, you know, band DVDs and so forth, I feel like I'm, all those years of watching those things and, and listening to those people and kind of seeing them tell other people's stories, it's like, well, now I get to do that. I'm just this conduit to be able yeah. to do this. And it has been kind of interesting though, cause I, I've been, I don't know if this is what you call making it, where people are like, your interview sucks, or you didn't ask this question, or this person you had on is terrible, or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> then, well, I mean, you listen to it, so why, <laughs> why would you listen to something well, if you don't uh, like the yeah, person, or whatever? You're,
4: shit, you're doing something right, in my opinion. Okay? Yeah. I never understood that. But in, in the live show, like with the cell phone, I snapped a few on the front row with Ozzy and stuff with my iPhone, too. But uh, I tell my kid. So, And I'm so going to lose pool points on this, like, but I don't give a shit. Um, I love Katy Perry. Anyone seen that show? It's fucking amazing. It looked phenomenal. And my daughter's a big fan of Katy Perry. We had this thing that we'd go every weekend, buy a vinyl record, and then we'd switch. And so I'd listen to what she bought, and she'd listen to what I bought. And that's how I discovered Katy Perry. and was like, this is fucking cool. So a couple years ago... Um, for her birthday, I got her third row tickets to Katy Perry. I paid a shit ton of money for it. <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm paying this. And we show up. She's wearing her Blink-182 shirt. I've got my Slayer shirt on. And she comes out. I'm singing every song, going ape shit. And I'm looking at the people around me. And there's this girl in front of us filming with her iPhone. But she's filming the jumbotron. Katy Perry's like two feet from her. <laughs> Like, she totally missed all of this. And and that's the thing. When you go to these live shows, you're never getting that back. I don't give a shit how much video you watch or any of that. If you ain't watching it and participating in the show, there's no sense buying the fucking ticket. And I had the time of my life at that Katy Perry show. I'm sure I scared the shit out of her, and she'll never forget the bearded slayer dude, knowing every one of her songs. (laughs) Um, But... It, it was a great, you know, and that's the great thing about life. Music is that, and so my rule with my kid: she gets to it's like the concert photography. She can shoot the first song with her iPhone, do whatever the fuck she wants. Then she has to put it away, and then she can shoot the encore. And that's when she's at a show with dad. When she's not with me, I don't give a shit. I'm not there. I don't know. <laughs> so that, that, that's kind of our rule, and it's worked out. And it, it's uh. It's great. You know, I, I love the music business. It's, I always, when I was a kid, I wanted a record store. They don't make any fucking money because everyone steals music now. Um, so I opened up my record store, but it hit me that you can't download a haircut on Amazon. So I don't own like separate businesses. It's all one. It's a barbershop, coffee shop, record shop. And it was all so I could have my record store. And I'm a huge fan of coffee, so I just wanted the wholesale price, so I made it a coffee shop. <laughs> and the barbershop thing took off. And I'm a big gearhead. We're rebuilding the 1977 Head Harley-Davidson in the barbershop right now. Um, if you, anyone's ever in the town of Payson, Utah, stop by and hang out. We just It's all vinyl records. We just listen to tunes, wrench on the bike, and talk shit about whatever the hell – comes up <laughs> and stuff so um i'd invite all of you if you're ever in the area to come by and say hi
1: what's been uh, as a as a vinyl collector myself what what has been or actually i'll say this what is your prized record in your collection
4: oh shit that's easy rolling stone sticky fingers original i got all and the numbers are on all three the record the insert and the cover there you go um, awesome I always ask people this question, if you could only listen to one album the rest of your life, not one band and not some greatest fucking collection of fucking bullshit, (laughs) one album, what would it be? And it's a hard choice. And for me, it would be Rolling Stones' Sticky Fingers because it has a little bit of everything I love. Um, And it's one of those, like, uh, think about it. Like, think of the one album that's all you can listen to for the rest of your life. What would that be? So that's why that's the prize collection i also have tool and diva the original that and we listen to these in the shop i don't have them like in glass and shit you know um i'm a firm believer that shit's meant to be used i got a 63 4 thunderbird that's my daily driver
0: and <laughs> it,
4: it's uh we only do new vinyl in the shop i don't buy used vinyl because i don't have time to categorize all of it right and, and the nice thing is is that everybody's reissuing everything yep. like we got Black Friday Record Store Day coming up and I'm getting a typo negative in, which I'm so stoked about. Um, And the B-52s with Love Shack on it, come on, I'm going to fucking throw a whole dance party in the fucking store that day.
1: I've kind of been getting uh, bummed that the Record Store Day has turned into basically a reissue fest as opposed to the first pressing of something like it used to be.
4: Yeah, well, the thing with it too, though, and here's my bitch about it, and I love Record Store Day, like, in the... And Record Store Day itself is, is a great organization trying to do shit, but it's all these record store owners. So last Record Store Day, AWOL Nation released a 7-inch, I can't remember the name of the song. Yeah. Um, my one rule is I don't sell the shit online. You'll never get one of the Record Store Days from me online or on eBay or any of that shit. Well, I didn't have a picture of it to put in the system, and I went on... I Googled the shit and on eBay, the fucking thing's selling for $200 and it didn't even record store days the day before. Yeah. And the only people that can get these things are record store owners. It's like, you're killing ourselves. Like you're missing the whole concept on it, but I'll say this. And I know everyone's like, old oh, record store days every day. That holiday's so fun for me. Cause we get so many cool people that we've never seen come in, depending on what, like the David Bowie, I got uh, half a dozen of them and had people lined up outside the store just waiting to get it um but the cool thing is is like when they come in to purchase these they stick around and they we just talk records and that's the cool part of it is like like i said the fans um it's just neat to hear everyone's perspective on you know you might like one band i don't but i still like to hear why you like that band so much to me that's Way cool.
1: Where uh, where can people find you across the various social networks?
4: Um, <laughs> God, I had something funny to say, but then I, <laughs> I myself. Um myself. Well, I've been, like I said, we put that book on sale and we've been offered, I've been signing the book for people that want to sign. And you can only sign it so many ways until you run out of shit to say. <laughs> and. So now I just started signing The Other Rob and stuff, which was funny. So I about said TheOtherRob.com. But it's uh, Rob Fin R-O-B, F as in Frank, en com, And you can find all my bullshit there the barbershop. I own a record label that has a couple bands on it. I'd love for everyone to check out. Everything that's going on.
1: And then uh, I always like to end these episodes out to a song. So what would you like me to play it out
4: to? Oh, I get to pick whatever song. Yeah. Coulter Wall motorcycle. Yeah, he's uh, Coulter Wall. Check it out. Like, you'll dig it. He's the new Johnny Cash. And I'm a huge Cash fan, and that takes a lot for me to say. But uh, I I, I do appreciate the time. It was fun talking. I hope I didn't swear too much and if cunt's too offensive. Well, (laughs) no, it's not. Yeah, (laughs) it was a cunt. um, but, But I appreciate the time. And if there's anything I can do for you, let me know.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much.
4: All uh, right, and if you want, we'll, I'll send out a Rise Against book. You can give out to your listeners and stuff. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, just hit, hit up Charlie with the information.
1: All right, thank you very much. Have a
4: good night. All right, thanks, buddy.
1: So that was my chat with Rob Finn, photographer extraordinaire to the rock and roll stars. Dan, what did you think of that chat since you uh, couldn't be there, sadly?
2: Um, failed uh, club owner. I, I learned a lot about how I shouldn't ever start my own club. Very true, because it's like a it's like a money black hole. <laughs> and um, no, it was a good chat. Dude's kind of a renaissance. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. In in a relatively short period of time, and uh, pretty pretty accomplished overall. And it's so funny whenever I hear these interviews of like. For every person that's a success story like that, that caught a, caught a big break and you know found themselves with more work than he, than they knew what to do with, you know there there's like a hundred guys like me that are like, man, I should be more of a go getter instead of just sitting in my basement. And...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. uh It is funny how that works out. I mean, like you said, you know the the photo of I think it was Sinister Gates um that he had taken that was you know got tattooed on someone and then like, oh, check out this tattoo, or this photo, and it was like, that's my photo, like, I (laughs) I couldn't imagine, you know, that happening to you, where you're just like, holy shit, like, this photo that I took, like, you know, it's just whatever, and it's, you know, become a a very big uh, deal to a lot of people, and, you know, it's kind of funny in in this, um, you know, I know I made comments to My friend, who is a photographer, Tony Norcus, Which, if you want to go back and listen to one of the very first episodes of this podcast, uh, I had him on, and I think that's a fun thing too about doing stuff like that with photographers. Like I, I love working with Tony. Him and I work very well together uh, because I pay attention to what he shoots. So when I write about the shows that we're covering, I can write about something that you then can see the visuals for, and then get a better idea of what happened at these shows and you know i don't think a lot of people work so so hand in hand like that but it was kind of funny because like in talking with tony it's like he's a, a very tall dude relatively quiet and you know at one point he tells me you know he's like six foot i think tony's like six three six four something like that and when he told me he played drums on that episode, I fucking died laughing because I can't imagine this like six foot guy behind behind a drum right. kit. Because uh, he doesn't seem, and it's nothing against Tony, he just doesn't seem to have the dexterity really to 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 play something so so uh, fluidly. And so right. it's uh, it's funny just to hear kind of how people, you know, some people work at their craft and, and spend a lot of time honing in on it. Uh, which is what we don't do over here but uh no (laughs) but it's funny to kind of hear how some people are just naturally gifted at something and I think that speaks to kind of you know the the thing I love about this podcast at times is just hearing how some people really have to work at it and some people basically are like man I just I don't know like I I guess I have this this gift this knack for something because it, it does sometimes make me realize that like not everyone is inherently great at everything, and so when you hear the people that are like, "Man, I, the hours I spent to get good at this thing," it's like, "Oh, okay." So, like, all right, because I think we all know that one person or a handful of people who are just inherently good at everything right away, and it just makes you mad,
2: <laughs> right? It can be a little bit frustrating, but you know, now that we've got, I've gotten on this, uh, you know, coattail writing of uh, podcast, and you know, I feel like feel like some of that is absorbed into me, you know. I would make
1: a Star Wars reference, but I don't really have the knowledge on that.
2: That's all right. I'll just call the other John for that.
1: I was to say you're you would be my Padawan. Is is that how is that how that goes?
2: Maybe that that could be it.
1: Okay. Eventually, you're probably going to be better than me and just leave me in a pile of volcanic fire.
2: Well, you're like I hate you. Yeah. yeah. No, my teen uh, angst will come out. Yeah, I'll be like, dude, I have the high ground. Although right now, you have the high ground. No, I have the high ground because I'm looking down at you. Mm. We're playing with new camera setups,
1: so it's very kinky over here.
2: (laughs) It very much is. I (laughs) (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) I got nothing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! But uh, yeah, no, uh, it's kind of crazy. I've actually, I should probably get a hold of Rob. I ordered uh, one of the books. I ordered the Rob Zombie book because at the time he was for October. Was running yeah. the deal on the book. It was uh thirteen, looks like fourteen bucks plus the shipping, um. So essentially, basically like a half off book because these books are like fifty, sixty bucks because they're not not small. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I still haven't gotten my books. so I should find out what's going on with that. But uh, the fun thing is, um, we are doing a giveaway for one of Rob's books. So, Ooh.
0: um,
1: I wasn't sure which one because. People who listen to this maybe maybe aren't the biggest Rise Against fans, and maybe they're not the biggest Rob Zombie fans, so I couldn't really figure out how to uh, finagle uh, which, which book I wanted to give away, so I bought the Rob Zombie one, uh, and I wanted to do an unpackaging type video thing and, and kind of showcase the book so that way people can get a, a tangible idea of what the book looks like and so forth. Um, and then the the other one, I just basically have to send Rob a, an email and let him know who wins uh, the book. But we are doing a book giveaway. I haven't exactly decided how I want to do this because I've never given anything away on the podcast. So I haven't right. decided if we want to do the the cliché, you know, like our Facebook page we're going to do, you know, however many from now until we'll say, like, the end of December around Christmas time, like a week before Christmas And out of the likes that we have, we'll randomly generate a, a, I guess, a generator (laughs) to pick someone (laughs) at random to give the book away to. Um, Or if I wanted to do it where it's like, okay, if you send us a, you know, proof that you sent a, you know, rated and reviewed the podcast uh, on iTunes, then, you know, that's how you do it. So I think since I have two books, I think the best way we'll do it is uh, we will go about a week before Christmas. And uh, I'll then have it – I'll do a Facebook Live thing with Dan maybe and uh, we'll have it put all the names into the generator and and pick a winner. Um, And then for the other one, yeah, I I think let's do – go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever the fuck you want to call it now, and uh, rate and review the podcast. Send us a screenshot that you actually did it so that way we know who you are and then we will put that into another generated thing. Uh, and pick a random winner to win both of these books. I think that's the fairest way and the funnest way to do it, and it helps the podcast as a result as well.
2: Yeah, I mean the rating, the uh, reviewing thing is a is a great idea. Um, just because it helps us kind of get an idea of you know who's out there listening, and because uh, sometimes you know people don't realize how shooting in the dark some of this stuff really is. Um, you know, like we see downloads. We we know they're there, but we don't really know who you guys are. So yes. you should come tell us who you are. Best way is if if you get a free book out of it, I mean even better.
1: Yeah, and these things like you know, like you heard Rob say, uh you know, the Rob Zombie book, Rob actually had a hands on approach with working with Rob. That's very redundant. Um Zombie worked with Fen <laughs> uh on the layout of the book. So basically if you end up, you know, trying to win the Rob Zombie book, um, yeah, it is definitely a uh a labor of love between two people working together to create the 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 best product they can. Um I, I am going to say I'm I'm going to look through it <laughs> before yeah. it gets sent out, but uh that aside uh I'm kind of you know, I want to thank Rob for Fen that is uh for allowing us to do a giveaway. Um I mean that's basically a profit coming out of his his pocket. Um, between the shipping and and all that kind of stuff but uh it's really cool I, i i've like i said we've never done like anything like that on this podcast so i'm i'm kind of excited to see how this goes i don't know if this is something people want um people have asked me before if you know they want me or if they can send a cd or do a giveaway before and i didn't really know what that looked like so I, I mean, if that's something you guys are into, let us know, uh, just send us a message or comment on, on this episode or just comment in general. Um, I mean, we are trying to grow the podcast to make it be what other people want it to be other than just be self self-serving for us. Um, right. so I mean, if you guys are into giveaways or whatever, like there are potential avenues for that to be a more constant thing. But to me, I've never, I, I just i don't know i don't know that people actually give a fuck or want to go through the process of winning something that they can buy i mean do people even really want free cds if i get free cds like is anyone gonna care
2: i would care i mean you can always send me free cds john
1: <laughs> you're just gonna sell them <laughs>
2: specifically specifically early for records releases yeah.
1: okay. <laughs> fair enough um well i think uh all that aside you know we're, we're obviously already talking about uh Giveaways and rating and reviewing the podcast. So it feels uh, apropos to end this episode uh, with our social. So if you would like to follow our partners at Moshpit Nation, you can do such at moshbitnation.com. Facebook is Moshpit Nation West, capital MI. Twitter and Instagram are simply Moshpit Nation. If you would like to follow our show partner, if you would like to follow our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram at The Bean Bastard. Go to TheBeanBastard.com and pick you up some delicious coffee. Really loving these uh, new coffee labels that uh, Nick has put on the, the beans. Uh, a little bit of a, like a version 2.0 for the labels. Uh, still the same names, but uh, like I said, just different packaging. So it's almost like a, from a collector's standpoint, you're almost like, ooh, I got to get this one too now. Um, and then Dan, where can people find you?
2: Well, you can find me at my house uh, most (laughs) days, Uh, but you can also non-creepily find me on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan. You can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry, and you can find my other podcast on Facebook as well under Discography Discussion or at DiscussMetal.com.
1: And if you would like to keep up with all things the podcast, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Johnson Title Podcast. Tweet at us at Johnson Title Pod or email us at Johnson Title Pod at gmail.com. We are going to end this episode as we always do with a song. And as you heard Rob pick, he wanted me to play it out to Coulter Walls Motorcycle. And uh, I got to say, I checked this, uh, this album out uh, after he had talked about this song and, and how great this record is and definitely gotta say it's kind of got like a not an outlaw country kind of vibe to it but definitely a, a throwback country sound uh that i think is severely missing from contemporary country now uh so we're going to end it to this and if you like it go check it out again it's Culture wall with motorcycle and we will talk to you next time
3: Motorcycle, wrap a pretty little frame around a telephone pole Ride her off a mountain like O.R.L.O. Figure I'll buy me a motorcycle Well I figure I'll walk to the liquor store Thunderbird, two bottles, maybe three, maybe four Follow my feet down the music road. Pour it on the pavement like you A tombstone, like you would a tombstone, pour it on the pavement like you would a tombstone. Another pill hop Another train. tell my brothers and my sisters That it's keeping me sane I Figure I'm weary of a feeling this way Well, I figure I'll buy me a motorcycle wrap a pretty little frame around a telephone pole rider her off a mountain like O.R. Figure out buy me a motorcycle Figure out buy me a motorcycle Figure out buy me a motorcycle